Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lunch Pail Podcast. Alongside Mike Nizolik, the Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times, this is Aaron McFarling, sports columnist for the Roanoke Times. Well, another team came into Lane Stadium and won. This time it was Notre Dame, number six, Notre Dame 45, number 24, Virginia Tech 22. Uh, we will get into that matchup, break it all down, talk about what we what stood out to us in that game, and then we will look ahead to the North Carolina trip this week for the Hokies, um, and we will get into our pick three at the end, as we always do. Hopefully we've... Uh, increase the level of sound here so it's a little easier for you all to hear. We've got some feedback before that it was too quiet, so hopefully this will be a little bit better. Mike, um, your initial thoughts on that Notre Dame game? Uh, kind of, you know, Justin Fuente said it was a tale of two halves, and that's really what it is. I mean, uh, he said he was kind of excited about the progress and that they had opportunities that they left in the first half that you know they had they could have easily gone at halftime up 10 points um you know mad that they missed those opportunities but he felt the team young and experienced was still uh competed for 30 minutes against a team that's one of, in his estimation one of the best in the country now on the other side of it they got the doors blown off in the second half uh and things kind of uh got away from them um i think when they start when they fell behind with that 97 yard touchdown this team, I don't think, knew how to respond, uh, especially with Josh Jackson out. I think one of the things that people, you know, you kind of see a lot of message boards uh, and in social media where the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy and that people want to go to him and because he had talent. He has a really good arm, and I think everybody's seen that. But where you miss Josh Jackson, I think a calming force, a guy that could settle the team down, a guy that's not going to get rattled in the huddle. Uh, he had all those starts last year, and I thought, um, obviously, defensively things fell apart kind of completely, but offensively, just out of sync, uh, sort of. All, even even in the first half when they were playing well, they were doing it in spite of the fact that I thought they looked a little rattled. I think if we were to sort of target or underscore one thing that's really bothered Justin Fuente this season compared to the first two is the way that the Hokies have responded to in-game adversity. You know, they responded very well to to the adversity of losing the ODU game, and they went and had a really nice performance at Duke. But in in that ODU game, they were they they fell apart. You know, uh, when they got punched, and this a similar thing happened in this game where you know that that ninety-seven yard run is you know a potential backbreaker, but it doesn't have to be. It ended up being they gave up another touchdown on the very next drive. You know, you know, bad coverage. And uh, all of a sudden, the game's out of hand. Um, so I think if you're if you're looking for um, things they really need to do better, because they, they're so, they were so proud of doing, you know, coming back against Arkansas in the bowl, and coming back against this same Notre Dame team, you know, wasn't as good of a Notre Dame team, but it was on the road to do that uh, after falling behind big in the first half. Um, those are kinds of the hallmarks of of a Justin Fuente program. Uh, but this year, the in game, uh, Justin, and maybe that's just part of being young you yeah know? yeah it's not necessarily I don't, I don't think it's sort of adjustments to the scheme or the game plan it's more adjustments to the uh, momentum shifts and emotion of the game where they you know uh, bud foster talked about um that the team got really down after that scoop and score the defense got down they didn't get the, get the touchdown right. but they got really upset and he had to kind of pull them together and look guys we didn't make a mistake uh they scored a touchdown uh, on the next drive to to make make it go away before halftime but he still has felt that more this season than he has in years past and and, and you've seen it on the field and that's 
probably hard to coach because, like you said, it's more just sometimes you have to feel your way through it with kids because uh, they don't really know how to handle it. They don't really know how to bounce back. And with the young team, and look, they've lost some of their most experienced guys. We talked about Josh Jackson. Uh, you know, Trayvon Hill's gone. And those are guys uh, with experience. And so, you know, you kind of look to playmakers that you don't have, and it's tough. I, I just think it was a tough situation when they kind of, in the second half, it wasn't even an insurmountable lead at two touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, that's two-possession game. And there was a lot of time left. I mean, there was a, a quarter and a half. So, uh, But it just got away from him, and, and you could just kind of feel it in the stadium, I think, too. Yeah, well, this was your first exposure to Lane Stadium at night uh, in a big game. What did you think of, of just sort of the production and the atmosphere? Well, I mean, we had the intro from Metallica. That was pretty cool. Um, I think that would have been more talked about if the game had gone better. Uh, and the first half, the crowd was really into it. The crowd was really loud. Uh, you could kind of see why uh, people talk about the atmosphere. Um, but in the second half, they didn't have much. And it's sort of everything, uh, all the energy out of the stadium left really early in that second half. And, you know, it was, it was crazy because it was a third down play. Right at the, they were back, Notre Dame was backed up against the goal line. They make a stop there. And I think things could have been completely different <laughs> with just the crowd and kind of everything. But uh, it just felt like uh, – Everything just kind of went out of the stadium at that point. But it was a cool atmosphere, night game, prime time. I mean, you can't ask for a, a better stage. Yeah, and I think fans are getting frustrated because they feel like they're bringing their best and the and the team isn't always bringing its best. Uh, now, there's a reason teams are ranked. There's a reason teams, uh, you know, your, your record against ranked teams isn't going to be as good as it is against unranked teams. But the Hokies have not won against a ranked opponent at home since 2009. That's a long time. It's a span of seven games. Um, you know, some of those games they've been favored, some they haven't. Uh, this was, uh, of course, an instance where they were not favored. But I just feel like it's it almost feels like you're better off if you're going to take the Hokies against a ranked team. You're better off taking them on the road. They just seem to be playing better there, and I don't know. I don't know exactly why that is. Well, and, and you know, it's part of it. I asked this question to uh, Coach Fuente after the game. Because I know, and, and he pointed out the obvious that he hasn't been around for the whole streak. Right. And that's fair. But my point was that players are going to now read this. Every, every time a game, they have a game against a ranked opponent at Lane Stadium now, that's going to be in our in our paper <laughs> online. And kids are going to see it. It's going to be on social media, um, which is probably where they will see it. Um, and so do, will it get in their heads? Will that get in the locker room? Because those things have a way of kind of taking on their own sort of, uh, you know, uh, just – getting into people's heads and and you know these are young kids and they have a young team so will that be an issue and he kind of dismissed it and he said look we've beat ranked teams we beat them on the road we just haven't beaten an elite team yet and so he's kind of packaging it that and, and admitted that they're not on that level they're not on the level of clemson which was the other loss against sort of an elite team during his tenure and then uh, uh notre dame this year so when you look at it from that i get it and i thought it, it's a bit of an honesty it's it's honesty from him to say we need to strive to be better. We need to get to that level. Uh, you know, there's no there's no shame in losing to a team that's better than you. And as that's not how he phrased it, but I think that's how what he meant essentially. I mean, because he was very complimentary of Notre Dame and their talent level, and said, "Look, they they, they were better, obviously." Um, and so, uh, and you're talking about a very small group of teams in his estimation that he would be, you know, they need to beat teams ranked 20, you know. 15 through 25 but those teams that are in the top 10 that's tough and those don't come around i mean that's that's rare and so I, do you put much into it i don't know i mean it, it's just sort of a thing that's kind of built over like you said a long period of time in the eight years from 2009 so um 
I'm not sure he's worried about it yet. It's just interesting that you know you've sent your home fans this home disappointed so many times in these games now. I mean, it's just you because I it's I didn't even really notice it. <laughs> Somebody mentioned it the other. I, that was the first I'd heard of it. I didn't even think about that because. I've I've covered so many games where they've won against opponents that they were not necessarily supposed to beat. You well, know, the, two of the games we covered State. this year are against ranked teams on the road, Correct. Florida State and uh, and Duke. So, you know, you don't really think about it when you've co- you're covering a large group of games. You don't really think about those things, but fans do, and it's on those fans' minds, like you said. I think more so than maybe it is on a, a sort of uh, media from a game to game basis. Yeah, I mean that's where memories are made, right? right I mean, yeah. you bring your kid to the game, and it's there. It's a big game, and you paid a lot of money for the tickets and the drive for 25 is painted on the on the field i mean it's all those things. well i had a it was funny you mentioned that it's like i had a lead if they had won i, I had a you know it was it was a good lead that i couldn't use that you know because they had the monument to frank beamer right. and i was like you know if they win this one this could be one of the things on justin fonte's memory when they build a monument for him uh, years down the line because this would have been a signature win right. that he needed and because he doesn't have one yet i don't think um, and so uh, they didn't get it, though. So <laughs> he's still searching His, for it. Fuente's best game, I'm probably Notre Dame, but I would also put that Clemson loss in the ACC title game up there. That was close. Was it 45-43 or something it, like that? Uh, was, I think it was a seven-point uh, because they were going to – if they had scored, he was going to go for two to try and win it. So okay. it was a seven-point, uh, maybe 42-35 maybe. But – yeah, I mean they gave Clemson everything they can handle. Forty-two, thirty-five, and, yeah, and yeah. it was it was a fantastic game. Nobody expected it to be any good, and and so, I mean he's 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 been close in some of these games, and I, and I agree with you. They could have been in this in this game had they punched it in from the one. Had they yeah. you know taken advantage of some of the momentum swings early on. The score is not indicative. I don't think it didn't. It wasn't a blowout until like the very end when right. they just couldn't you know couldn't come back, but. I mean, they were in it even when they scored two touchdowns in the third quarter. That was still a game. There was still enough time. Um, they, and, they, and they had opportunities in the first half to be even, I think, ahead. Yeah. Which is what they're kicking themselves about. Exactly. Well, here's what you, here's what's interesting. I mean, they're they're three and two overall, right? Two and zero oh in the ACC. If you look at you stripping away all the other things right now because they're not going to the football playoff. Uh, you know, getting into the top ten rankings is is a pipe dream. You know. So some of those other things that you would think about if you had beaten Notre Dame are gone, but the the number one thing is the Coastal Division race, um, and that was probably going to be the number one thing even if they beat Notre Dame, and that wouldn't be any different than it had they won. They're two and zero there, and I'm looking at the schedule and I'm wondering which game they're not going to be favored. I mean, maybe at Pitt, uh, maybe we'll see what happens with Miami here in the next few games. They haven't been overly impressive. They almost lost to Florida State. Uh, they, they, it seems to be all in front of Virginia Tech to actually claim this Coastal Division if they can just win some of these games that they're supposed to win. And Justin Fuente was asked about that on Monday, and he sort of dismissed that sort of uh, calculation of how to look at the season. He said, yeah. uh, we can't really do that. We've, we can't – everything's ahead of us, but what if we lose? That nothing's ahead of us, then we have nothing to play for? Right. And so that's where I think where the coaches sort of step in and say, we can't do that because if they did lose, then you start – team starts – getting away from the season a little bit. But that's um, our job. I mean, our job is right, to pull the lens no, back and say, all right, here's right. where they are, here's what's possible. But, and, you know, I think they could still – I mean, you talk about running the table. I mean, that's a – they could still get in the top ten, I think, if they were to run the table and beat Clemson in the championship game. But yeah, right. They right. don't look like a team that's kind of capable of that at this moment. This moment. Um, they really just got to sort of focus here. I mean, they're not playing very good teams the next 
what five weeks because they got a buy. We got North Carolina, Georgia Tech, who we talked about uh, killed Louisville, uh, but Louisville's not a very good team. Boston College, Pittsburgh. That's a four game stretch where you think there's no reason they shouldn't go four and zero. Just got to go four and zero. No, but I mean, I mean they yeah, say one and zero, but I mean they, this, they should be talking about four and zero. There's no reason that they, they should. Uh, two of those games in the road, Carolina, which is really dreadful, and Pittsburgh, which doesn't have a very intimidating environment. So yeah, you're right. It, if you're a Tech fan, you're thinking four and zero or bust. Really, I yeah. mean, uh, the, nothing less than four and zero would make you happy. This North Carolina matchup concerns me not i mean I, like i don't care what happens in it but it, like if i'm a virginia tech fan i'm wor- i'm a little worried well, about this one you're a gambler and the line's only the line is six and then th- vegas usually knows something right the line is the same line that miami has coming into scott stadium this week of course vegas knows something i mean it would, well look north carolina who did they beat they they jumped up and beat, they beat uh, pittsburgh Pitt, that was it yeah right i mean Pitt's not great but they're no. not I mean, they're not as god-awful as they showed against Penn State. Right. Um, they've won a couple games. Um, I don't – you got to feel like the the, the – they're coming up – North Carolina's coming off a bye. you got to feel like they're they're so desperate and they're, they're angry about the last time that Virginia Tech came in here and ripped them to shreds. They're angry about last year at Lane Stadium where they got ripped to shreds. Um, you know, I think if they could get off to a good start in this game and keep their shreds together, <laughs> then, then all of a sudden what North Carolina is formidable. What was that game like two years ago when it was two years ago? 130 passing yards combined in the in the hur- in the hurricane? It was it was weather? it was dang impressive for Virginia Tech because they held on to the ball and they 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 bullied them up front. They did everything they needed to do in in those kinds of terrible conditions. It was funny because well, it wasn't really funny, but like all the North Carolina writers, like a guy I respect very much, Ed, Ed Harden at the Greensboro paper, he he just ripped the entire you know college football landscape for holding games that day, and he was right. I mean, it was was it not playable? It, I mean, was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, and, and Tech fans are gonna be like, oh, you know. Quit your wine in UNC, you know, <laughs> and, and you're right. I mean, Tech had to play it too, you know. Right, right, right. The same wet balls for everybody. Complain when they should both not played. have been playing. It I was mean, that it bad. Was, it yeah. was that bad, and um, there was nobody out there. And of course, you, you know, all the. How many fans were actually in? There were no fans. And thank God that they were smart enough not to go. Yeah, it was that bad. And, you know, the rescue crews, you know, they have to be at the game, and that that means they can't be out on the road helping idiots who are out driving in that stuff for some reason. It was just not smart. Uh, But but as far as the game itself, Tech wrecked them. I mean, just – and then they did it again last year, yeah. uh, even more so in, in fine, dry conditions. And people, of course, made all sorts of fun of that. Uh, and so the UNC's been hearing about this. And, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, if they get off to a good start, that's, that's dangerous for Virginia Tech, I'm telling you. Yeah, I just, I just don't see North Carolina beating them. I don't know. They've, they're bad defensively, not very good offensively, only scored more than 20 points one game this season. And look, Virginia Tech, you know, if they have a letdown defensively, I still think they have a pretty good offense. Um, they made some mistakes against Notre Dame, but look, Notre Dame's defensive front is really, really good. Right. Um, and North Carolina, I don't think, has that kind of level of talent and forces that level of m- mistakes. So it's like, in my mind, it, it, is it if Virginia Tech struggles defensively, does it become a shootout? And even then, I still think Virginia Tech should win by two touchdowns uh, i mean ryan willis is in but that's not going to be sort of an, uh, an environment that i, I think is going to kind of rattle him you've still got i mean we, we haven't talked about it but damon hazelton 
looks like one of the ACC's best receivers, and he's got some talent alongside with him. The running game, which they went away from because of how the game went, was doing well. So it's like I, I just see them favored either way this game goes. They could have a letdown defensively, and I still think they win. Okay. You want to do predictions now then? Um, we could, sure. Okay. Or you want to talk about Hazleton a little bit more? I mean, Hazleton was really good. He is, he is really good. And, <laughs> it's and funny how they kind of temper their enthusiasm, and I wonder if that's just sort of a tactic, you know, because that's, that's a coaching thing. Yeah. But it's like no one's got said, man, you know, he sat out for a year, and look at look at how good he is. But they've said he needs to continue to develop. I'm like, they were doing everything to try to get him the ball away from him, and they, were still, they still failed. Well, you wonder, too, though, because Cam led the nation in receiving yards in, like, the first four or five games last year. Yeah. Or maybe it was three or four, Cam Phillips. And and then they kind of, you know, they made some adjustments, and he didn't have as much yards. And, of course, the competition level got better, too. Right. But you wonder if uh, teams will start uh, scheming to prevent Hazleton. But I think the, the Hokies have more options now than they did back then. Another thing we should talk about uh, that I didn't write down, but uh, Diablo. Yeah, uh, I think they missed him in that game last week. Uh, Nick's coach, Nick's was here. Yeah, and Nicks. he, you know, they they're not shy about it. You know, it's like, look, he and I wrote about this. It's like he wouldn't have made a complete difference. He wouldn't going to win them yeah. the game. But coach Nick's put it best. He's one of our best eleven. And when you're losing a guy that's sort of a, a, a an athletic freak, six four, two twenty, and is really fast. Look, there's a difference between throwing with him in the middle and Tyree Rogers, who everybody has said played well, but who's six one. 189 i mean that's different i mean that's a di- it, it is a different equation and uh they're a better team with him on the field he'll he'll be questionable it sounds like uh he had an ankle injury that forced him out of the old dominion game and a, and a hamstring actually now with this this latest industry in, in injury is uh easy for you to say but um and he's kind of been snake bit and you kind of worry with the injuries now mounting up for him because he had the ankle last year and it was a serious ankle injury. So you just want to see him get back on the field consistently because I think he's an impact player. And there's no question in my mind that he would have helped that team in both the losses. He might have actually made the difference against Old Dominion. Uh, Notre Dame, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, but, no, you know, Old Dominion, those big guys, uh, that was the problem. And, and he's their biggest guy in the secondary. I, I totally agree. I mean, he's the kind of guy, if he's questionable every week, He'll be the guy you have your field goggles out looking for right. on the field every time you show up to the park because you're going to want to see if he's playing or not. Uh, okay, let's do predictions. You you go first. Uh, 42, let's go 24, Wow, which okay. is almost the game square this weekend. So, okay. But, yeah, 42-24. Uh, Virginia Tech. I should okay. say who wins, right? Right. Or I could just say 42-24, and then I'll be right either way. But, no, I, I see Virginia Tech winning by a couple of touchdowns. Well, Based on the forecast, I've been right about th- based on the forecasts being clear uh, as it is right now, uh, you know that we've watched on weather watch again. No rain expected. Right, right, right. If the forecast changes, that prediction, the score wise, would go down. Go but down. right now, right, uh, that's right. what it is. Yeah, because we're taping this on a Tuesday, right? So you know, I think all that's supposed to be, supposed to be out. It's of there supposed by then. to, but just I mean, hey, things can change. So just a uh, little asterisk next to sure, it. Sure, sure. I am I'm t- I am tempted to take North Carolina. You sound tempted. I am tempted to to take them straight up, but I think I think I'll just say shootout won by the Hokies by the thinnest of margins. I really think this is going to be. I, I think you're right. North Carolina is not good. They're not a good team, but you know football's a funny thing. I mean, you know, Old Dominion's not a good team. I mean, they're not. They're not. No, good. they lost to 
Florida Atlantic. <laughs> I mean, this is, and and sometimes there's just spots where you just look at it, and it used to be that way with Pitt. You know, Tech would go to Pitt, and every all signs pointed to there's no reason this is going to be a ball game, and it would just be a ball game. Or Boston College there for a little while. You know, yeah. go to Boston, nobody's there at the game. I don't know what the crowd's going to look like at UNC at seven o'clock on Saturday. I have no con. Yeah, that's um, you know you got to feel like the fan base feels pretty disenfranchised right now and, and disenchanted. I guess is a better word for that, and and probably doesn't want to go. But <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they got better things to but do. But then again, you know, I mean, it, I think they have some players. I mean, the, the, basically the Hokies and the and the Tarios go after the similar type player, right? You know, and they have some talent. Um, it's just they haven't been very good in the last few years. And, you know, you asked a couple guys about this today, and, and you've covered the team for a long time. As far as the ups and downs, is this is kind of a compressed up and down you've seen from a team sort of in a, in a five, five six-week span? I mean. It's up there. Yeah, it's yeah. up there. I mean, you, when, when, when Frank first started losing, that felt really roller coastery uh-huh. to us who covered the team because we just weren't used to that. It was 10 wins every year. Right. You know, like you could just set your clock to it. Um, they would rally, you know, if they were if they lost a couple. And the, the, then all of a sudden it was like, wow, they're fighting to get into a bowl game. This is crazy. This is, a, you know, I mean, I think the ODU here game is the only real outlier here. I mean, I, the, Florida State, I mean, you predicted them to beat Florida State. Yeah. I didn't, but you did. So at least one of us saw that coming. But I think um, it made the ODU, you know, it's interesting because uh, that was the first time I used that. But it was the start started the season off so high against Florida State. Right. And so that made the ODU much, much worse sure. coming off a bye week that was sort of unscheduled, obviously. Um, and so it just feels like a weird season. And players have acknowledged it, coaches have acknowledged it. And, you know, you thought back to kind of before the season, take out that old Dominion loss and Notre Dame. You don't. I don't think you say that that's a that would have been a bad thing for where you're at four and one. But the old Dominion loss, I think, skews the season so much that you really don't know what to make of this team. Because because if they have that win, they're four and one, they're, and they're they're a good team that you think might be able to do some th- damage. Now you're kind of wondering which way does this season goes at this point. I yeah, think. which I think, is where we were against Duke uh, almost two weeks ago. That's right, and I think what that what's the stat that uh, under Fuente Virginia Tech is eight and one coming yeah. off a loss. Um, that that gives you good a good feeling if you're a Virginia Tech fan right now because look, it's it's a big deal if they go down there and lose this game on Saturday. Yeah, because this is against um, a bad football. I'm team. not going to this game. I'm going to Charlottesville for number sixteen Miami coming in there. But uh, you know, I'll be monitoring this for sure. You know, like uh, on on my computer as a, you know, we'll talk about it. You know, next week. But uh, maybe you're right. Maybe they just go down there and, and mop the floor with them. But I just I kind of feel like this is going to be a, a real real test, a surprising test for these guys, and we'll see what happens. Well, you've had more success predicting them this year, so we'll see. And it's a big because they got the bye week coming up after that. Right. And you got Georgia That's Tech a nice on, on a Thursday. Um, it's a nice carrot if they win. It's a it's a rough carrot if it's a it's not one <laughs> that tastes that you want to spit out because uh, it's uh, what a young team too. I mean those bye weeks can be a weird thing. You know I've seen teams uh, my first year in Auburn they they were struggling and had some problem and a player kicked off the team during the bye week and those things kind of take on their life of their own if the team sort of a little fractured a little unfocused. So I think a win here just does. Because Georgia Tech could be, I think, capable of doing some damage just sure. with their their system and things like that. Um, 
Oh, they scored a lot of points against Louisville. Yeah, I mean they've, they've had Fuente's number so far. Yeah, so, so. Um, yeah, I think they, it's, it's it's not a must win, but it's like uh, pretty close, it's like ninety percent must win. Yeah, it's. But I mean, I think most people expect it to go the way you think it's going to go. Oh, so. I, 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 yeah, I think fans would be just. I mean, I think even North Carolina fans probably feel that way. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, which all five of them. Oh <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. It's it's similar to you know how Duke used to be now. I mean it's yeah. like when does they basketball refer, yeah, season Duke start? You know, there's a little butter off right now. Right, right. Uh, all right, you want to do pick three? We can do pick three. All right. Um, my first, I think it, I, I think I have the title right. Netflix, no stranger. Did you watch Stranger Things on Netflix? I watched the first ep- uh, season. First yeah. season. So they had the second season. They've been doing them in October. No Stranger Things until later this ne- in 2019. But they're doing a uh, House on Haunted Hill. I think is the title. I guess it's based off a book. Uh, 10 episode sort of mini uh, limited series um, and it re- first reviews are in and they're pretty good I think it goes up Thursday night Friday morning uh, and um, kind of intrigued uh, supposed to be kind of uh, spooky and, and a kind of a thriller um, something for Halloween get you in that 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 spooky mood right it sounds good and I guess that'll be my number one one I I got rid of my Netflix I killed I killed my Netflix about what happened? three months ago. Uh, I just wasn't using it as much. I mean, I, I, I loved like the Dave Chappelle comedy specials and uh, I, I, I liked the Ozark show. I watched that uh, the first season of that um, and I didn't know they were going to come out with another season. So I'm kind of feeling a little uh, like I want that back, you know, sort of like. Well, we have all of them. We have uh, Netflix, uh, Hulu, Amazon Prime, uh, and uh, I mean, there's no. I mean, there's others, but though we have all three. And, and Amazon Prime is kind of a different one because you have everything else. But um, well, we we take advantage. It's actually there was the uh, the mo- a former movie by the name that I gave the House on Haunted Hill. That's not what you should. Yeah, be see, for. I've seen that movie. Yeah, that's not very good. Okay. It's called The Haunting of Hill House, which is really. I mean, confusing. So that's the Haunting of Hill House is the TV show. Okay. Um, that movie's probably on Netflix. You probably, people are probably like, "What is this?" Um, <laughs> uh, but ha- the Haunting of Hill House is the TV show. Okay. So uh, the second one for me, uh, Ghostbusters. We watched it on Amazon Prime. I'm not plugging all these things, but we uh, watched it with the kids. The original or the original original. Okay. Uh, but the kids, we had movie night, and the kids were. Uh, there was no good kind of animated movie that they hadn't seen. So, you know, we're terrible parents, and they're six and four. Uh, four's a little young, um, but it played. So, and I think I talked about seeing Jurassic Park with them, and Jurassic Park played well with the six-year-old. But Ghostbusters, I mean, really, it was fun. It's fun to watch it through their eyes, um, and it had sort of hit like it's supposed to hit. Uh, and it's a kind of a, you know, it's funny, PG has changed over the years. Yes. So, there's some there's some questionable words. Really, only a couple words and one scene that were a little not PG. But it wasn't bad overall. And they didn't understand that anyway. But um, they really liked it. It was fun. Uh, and the ghosts got them excited. You know, scared and excited. You know, they kids like being scared a little bit, uh, as long as it's not too scary. It's, and and Ghostbusters sort of I think runs that fine line. You know, and the Marshmallow Man obviously uh, Stay Puff um, was a big hit. Um, and the special effects are terrible, but they just loved it. it was, it's, really oh, it's great. Cool. It's a great movie. It's a I classic. Mean, it's just, yeah, and I haven't classic. seen it in a while, and you know, it's you sort of take for granted those old classics. But when you're seeing them through uh, your kids' eyes at that age, it's it, it just it's a it's a whole new fun experience. Well, and things that you didn't really pick up when you were a kid, like when he's like, it's a couple of wavy lines, and he's yeah. like, this just isn't your lucky day. <laughs> like you're like, 
this is really funny now, but when you're a kid, you're like, I don't, I don't get it. Well, and they have such weird questions about like Slimer, like what, why does he hung, is he hungry? Why is he eating all the, like you know, it's like, what is sliming? Like what is, right. what happened? Like is it, is it, what is the negative effects of, you know, it's like they have very interesting sort of, their minds take different sort of uh, interpretations of things and have very funny questions and no nightmares, no waking That's up good. and screaming in the middle of the night. Um, so that was uh, a good thing. That's huge. Yes. It's huge. Okay, my number two, Zen and the Art of Poker. Uh, I'm re- rereading Zen. that book. Uh, I, I actually own that book. I've only read it once. Uh, it's a solid, solid book. But uh, I'm reading it in advance of a, uh, tra- a trip during the bye week. Uh, I'm going to play a lot of poker, I believe. And basically the, the advice in there is just be very, very, very foldy just fold just go down fold but is it like sort of keeping an even head oh yeah yeah so, all, so really all. the the hokey should read it uh, they should uh, you know ryan willis he there should read go. it yeah. he should read this book because it's applicable to all things uh no it's a, it's a short it's written by a professional poker player but he's also like a buddhist and so it's 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 an interesting way of tying together the the religious aspects with the actual betting of money in in, in a card room but um I, I found it to be helpful to my game. So if you're a poker player, check it out. Well, you're on a winning. You you won last time. So if you the last if you, two times, yeah. If you do poorly, do you come home and throw the book away? Well, actually, last time when I went to Cherokee, I lost at poker, but we won at craps. Which oh, usually okay. it's right. the other way around. Uh, usually the craps is like I just kind of throwing a little bit of money away because I love it so much, and I'm hoping to make it up on the poker side. Um, but this time it was like the dice were good, and the mm-hmm. poker I got busted. So. So you're going to try to establish a new strategy here a little bit. Yeah, well, I'll have a whole plan of attack going in. Trust me. It's like Justin Fuente's doing for North Carolina. No, you're spending the week. This is this is much more detailed than that. This is much more detailed. As, as Bronco Mendenhall would say, it's the, it's the most, what did he say, the most comprehensive strategy of any college football coach ever. <laughs> uh, my third one, most of our entertainment comes through uh, our kids, and so we they've been playing uh, – Pikmin. Have you ever heard of Pikmin? It's a Nintendo game for the Wii U. Uh, it's uh, it's very strange. It's these little creatures, and they can do each do different things. You try to, and they they crash landed on a planet, and they need to find certain things in these levels. And they love it. They like love it, love it, love it. It's a strategy game. So I mean, it takes some thinking, uh, and they get it. And they're they're really even the four year old is really probably too advanced at video games. They should be at this point. This isn't a four year old game, but he gets it. And so, uh, but it's really really good. And now me and my wife are sneaking and playing it after they go to bed. Oh really? Yeah. So it's it's uh, we betraying. We always always curious like if they woke up and just saw us playing video games, they're like, this is what you do after we sleep. We're never going to sleep again. Um, but uh, very good. Um, it's not, you know, you know. Obviously, Nintendo's known for Mario uh, and Zelda and things like this, but this is another one of their kind of exclusive games, uh, and it's very, very fun. Very different, very weird, but very fun. Okay, my third one's also a video game. Stronghold. Have you ever played Stronghold? Is that a? Uh, uh, it's, it's just a uh, like mobile game. game? No, no, it's just a computer. No, game. no, I've not played uh, Stronghold. I, I'm sort of like the the dad who like listens to the music that he listened to in the '90s, you know, or yeah, like yeah. When my dad would listen to '60s music, you know, like there's a million better games than Stronghold, but Stronghold is if I'm gonna play a video game, that's what I'm gonna do. Okay, uh, it probably came out in like the late '90s, uh, but you know, you build castles and and, and yeah, fight, yeah. Um, and and it still holds up. I mean, to me, it's amazing, uh, but. 
I got the kids into it. And they they played for a while, and then they found something better. You know, they got new new better games. Uh, but if anybody out there has played Stronghold before and now knows a, like a comparable uh, twenty eighteen version of Stronghold that they can recommend it to me, I'm I'm ready to upgrade to well, to your, something similar. Your son is in the Fortnite. Adrian, he's not. Right? Yeah, he's not a Fortnite guy. I don't even know the name of the games he plays. They're, they're. You know, he's on the much more violent. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I know there's one where like there's a zombie apocalypse, and he's like gotten really into like he's gotten into like Dean Martin music because like when you walk into like the casino, they're playing like How Lucky Can One Yeah Be. They play like the Rat Pack music. I don't know. So. I do not know that game. I I d- does Dean Martin come as a zombie, and you have to kill Dean, that kill the Rat Pack? That would be interesting. I, I think it's I think it's like the stuck in time from from the fifties or whatever. You know, like that's is this call is it Call of Duty the zombie? No, no. no. You have to find a name out because that okay. sounds. I I I just be interested to hear what. Put that it is. in the show notes. <laughs> that's right. There you go. Just just watch your children what they do and say like this is what they're doing now. So well, you're at a different age. I mean, your kids are older, so uh, it's much more. It's, they do things that you could probably, you know, have fun with as well. So it's like the video games a little older. We're 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 in the Mario sort of phase and things like that. Yeah, I used to really enjoy playing like Sonic and stuff with the kids, but they've moved For on. For some reason, Sonic on. does not sort of pique their interest yet. I really? don't know what it's just not as cuddle cuddly of a character. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's, it's different. Yeah. So okay. Well. That'll about do it for today. Yeah. We'll get back together next week. During Well, maybe not next week. We'll see. Well, we've got a bye week, so we'll let you guys know. Yeah. Uh, and you're going to be, obviously, at the different games, so you got to catch up. Right. Uh, so we'll, uh, to to be determined, okay. um, uh, we'll do, so. Uh, we'll, me and uh, our, our, our uh, internet guy extraordinaire, Tommy, will be doing a video after the game, uh, and we'll figure out the podcast. But definitely before the Georgia Tech, we'll do one early in the week that week, because they play on a Thursday, so we'll... We'll have to modify it. Maybe we'll do it like a double double episode in between or something like Let that. Let me ask you this, because as a columnist, I get really refreshed when I go see a different team. Just, I, I mean, I kind of feel like the, the storylines of the Virginia Tech season, yeah. I need a break from them, you know? Do, yeah. do you get, as a beat writer, do you ever get, like, just tired of, of covering the same team? No, <laughs> I never go. And it's hard for me to even, like, watch and court, sort of I care about in the sense, like, really let it sink in uh you know because i'm not you know you don't root but um just sort of just have a hard time focusing on it because you're you know and especially new or you're trying to learn all the guys faces right. and names and stats and history and so it's sort of like it's too much like i can't i can't uh even like the teams that i would like spy like i'm a bears fan growing up or white it's like it's just like it's got to be all virginia tech because that's all you're trying to think about and learn because try to catch up on you know, you want to be able to recognize the kids, and right now when they get off the bus, it's like I got, I got, I know, a good, like you know, Zachariah Hoyt, I could point out with that <laughs> right. gigantic beard and long locks, but uh, you know, it's still, it's still tough to sort of identify a hundred kids by sight. And yeah, their it's it's two totally different jobs. I mean, I'm I'm excited about getting to see Miami in person. I'm excited about getting right. to well, see Cavaliers. Well, scouting, you'll be able to exactly see Miami's for real. Yeah. And when they play these guys later, I'll know more. Like <laughs> last year, I told Andy before they played North Carolina, I said. Bet the house on the Hokies because I've seen North Carolina and they lost to Virginia and they they are terrible. But I don't feel that way this year, so it's kind of different. I don't know. Well, in Virginia, how that quarterback's doing? Uh, I'm kind of doing well. You saw him the week one, yeah. So like you know, six weeks later, five games later, uh, see how he's developed because 
That Virginia game not going to probably be a, a cakewalk this year for Virginia Tech, um, at least on paper right now. Yeah, it'll be it'll, it'll be fun to to break that down when we do. But we and if that's for a bowl game or something, holy cow! Yeah, it's that's happened a few times over the last uh, decade or so. All right, well that'll about do it for this week. Uh, for Mike Nizolik, this is Aaron McFarling. We will catch you next time.